Welcome to the Go-To-Market Mindset with Michael Gordon, where we talk about all things related to sales, business development, and personal growth. If it's about high performance, we want to take a deep dive into that. And to do that, we'll be talking with some of the sharpest minds in all the land. But don't get too comfortable because we're going to be getting you out of your comfort zone. The Go-To-Market Mindset is brought to you by Sandler Training in Calabasas and me, Michael Gordon. We work with growth mining companies that know sales is never about price and believe that salespeople have rights. For more information, visit gordon.sandler.com. Welcome to the Go-To-Market Mindset. I am here today with a long overdue guest, Stephanie Valenti, who is the Chief Revenue Officer at SmartBug Media and one of the top 10 most inspiring women in sales. Stephanie, welcome to the show. What an introduction. <laughs> Thank you so much, Michael. It's good to be here. Excited to dive into all things sales with you today. Outstanding. And you're so modest. You should. I hope you own those things. Those are very, uh, both very impressive titles to have. So when I said long overdue, this conversation or this episode was originally scheduled with Jen Spencer, your CEO. And I know through some promotions that she had, COVID, some illnesses, whatever that never happened. And she said that you would be a great person to have on the show. So I'm glad to have you here. I know a few minutes ago, we were talking about what we were actually going to be diving into today. And initially, there was some inbound versus outbound. But unfortunately, I found out that we're both still fans of outbound, though your company really is demand generation, creating intelligent inbound, inbound sales. Maybe it'd be helpful just for everyone listening out there, if you could clarify intelligent inbound, and then we can dissect it and talk about the similarities and differences. Yeah, let's do it. So intelligent inbound was something that was trademarked at SmartBug um, Media. Gosh, it's been it's been a while. If you go all the way back to when HubSpot started really getting their traction, um, driving the inbound methodology in the full flywheel, um, it, I mean maybe seven years ago, someone's going to quote me on that. It might be wrong, but it was, it was quite a while ago. And really it was about looking at marketing and sales together and allowing marketing to fully engage the client enough. So where they're raising their hand and they're coming to sales and sales responsibility is to convert that business. And until that motion, that flywheel motion started happening, um, really it was, the outbound approach, right? Like that's what organizations did. They had they had marketing for branding and field support. They had sales and everything really evolved over the last seven, eight years. And so our company, so although we really, most people know us for Intelligent Inbound, we are full service digital. So we do everything from revenue operations support to marketing to support, um, to uh, building websites, anything that an organization needs from a marketing perspective HubSpot perspective and Klaviyo perspective, we're supporting that. Ultimately, we help companies grow better with their total go-to-market strategy. So that's, that's what we do. But um, but inbound versus outbound is a very interesting topic. Um, I get in heated conversations with many about this. And actually, um, KD and I recently had a podcast and we, we named it like old school versus new school. Um, so again, it was really a lot about inbound versus outbound. So I'm happy to chat about that one today if you'd like. I would like nothing better. So let me ask you a side note question. Do you have people in your company that do outbound? Now we do. 
just okay. say how we do. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I've been with the organization um, for just a little over a year. Um, for a while, you know, we drink our own champagne, right? And so um, as an organization, if what we're doing is truly building inbound marketing engines that create people that raise their hand and share interest for sales to convert, we only had inbound sales reps, Right. So now they were high level, high caliber sales executives, but then the leads would come in and they were responsible for doing additional discovery, um, initial recommendation and then conversion to close. Um, but but we need to grow and we need to grow faster um, than maybe what inbound is providing us with today. And so we've layered on some more strategic um, outbound sellers here recently. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And again, yeah. just for the record, I, I'm not opposed to marketing. I'm not even opposed to, to inbound because I think it makes for a well-rounded strategy. Um, but maybe I'll tell you some of the beefs that I have with inbound. And again, I don't know that it's related specifically to inbound, but more how inbound's handled by companies. And we can talk through that. So yeah, coming from a tech sales background prior to joining, becoming a part of Sandler, you know, it, it, it was the demo. And I don't think that's changed a lot. If you go to the website, it says sign up for a demo. As soon as an inbound lead comes in, the demo was the first thing. And I remember the when I very first tech sales job I had, people, everyone at the company would say, just get them into a trial and the deal's going to close itself. And, you know, I knew about sales. I didn't know anything about tech, but something told me that that's not a very good idea. And as we'd sit through pipeline reviews every week, there would be, just hundreds and hundreds of quote unquote opportunities, trial accounts where you could see people hadn't logged in and people hadn't, you know, really even touched their their account that sales was so eager to give them. So that was, I guess, my initial beef, if you want to call it that, with with inbound. But tell me, as part of what you guys do, do you work with your clients to help them kind of create a methodology or a workflow around handling inbound leads? Absolutely. So yeah, for our clients, but also just speaking um, for like ourselves, because again, what we do for our clients is what we do for ourselves, but we've never said click here for an audit, right? You'll see a lot of our competition be like, click here for a quick audit of your space. Like we'll do it for free, right? Or very similar to like click here for your demo. Um, no, like, no, right? I even think back <laughs> to when I, no, I, I think back to my time at Very. So not just technology companies do this, but but product companies do it too, where it was um, click here and like you get a trial, like you get a free, like one of the electric desk or not electric desk, but like the desktop risers that go on top of your desk. And in 30 days, if you don't like it, like we'll take it back, right? But there, we both know what the problem of all of that is. There's no discovery right? Who the heck is selling if there's no discovery? So if I think about like the difference between an inbound where you're pushing a button and giving a product away for free versus the inbound that we are um, truly promoting at Smartbug, they're two totally different things. So when I talk about inbound and cultivating like hand raisers, because that's what inbound is. Like ultimately the goal is for someone to come to you and say, I am interested in your service. Can you help me? Right? Like that's what I'm looking for. And you do that through education of all of your um, like ICP, all of those ideal client profiles, you're educating them through content, through really smart SEO strategy. So
So heavy marketing strategy to get your buyer to the point where it's like, yes, I want to learn more. I downloaded this tool. I gave you my contact information. You educated me for a series of time. You didn't ask me for anything, but now I'm at the point where I know I need your service because I'm educated. And so I'm going to push that button. And then a form fill is going to come over and it's going to say, hey, sales, hey, salesperson, like this person's interested in learning more about your service. And then the, in, the inbound sales rep is then going to reach out and provide your typical sales process, starting with discovery, learning more, going over to initial rec and all the way through to close one. Um, so, so that's what I look at when I think about inbound. It's someone saying, help me, please. Whereas outbound, it's like, you don't know you need my help, but I'm going to tell you that you do. <laughs> sure. Sure. And so a couple thoughts here is, yeah. you know, you have a couple of things. You, people typically don't know that they need the help. So I, I think inherently it's a harder sale because like you said, the hard work that your company has done or any company has done to create awareness and educate the buyer isn't there. Number two, I think it, I, I don't think, I, I know it takes a different skill and I want to say sometimes more skill because you're calling somebody who doesn't know you exist or maybe they they have some awareness of you, but they don't know they have a problem because if they did, they would have picked up the phone and called you. But my experience and you know, both as a salesperson prior to Sandler and in Sandler is outbound. You can, there's a, a, depending on the company, you can deal with a lot of inbound leads, some of which are great. Some of my experience has been a lot of those leads aren't, we'll say aren't as good as, as most salespeople would like. But when you're outbounding, you can say, here is not just my ideal prospect, but this is their name. Here's the person or the people I want to speak to with things, tools like Zoom Info, you can get cell phone numbers and you can theoretically get that person on the phone in, you know, from inception of the idea to conversation, three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I think one of the things that I found is outbound is used to be the only way right? And it was heavy the only way. I mean, to the point, if you go all the way back, we were door knocking on businesses, right? We were getting <laughs> past the gatekeeper. We were collecting business cards, like true outbound old school was the only way. Then inbound came in and it was an amazing way, right? And, and some salespeople did it right and some didn't. Some said, all right, I'm going to take the demo. I'm going to run you through the demo. They didn't stop and pause and do discovery. They didn't treat those leads like gold, right? They put them in a, in a cadence or, or a sequence, right, in their CRM. They let it go. They waited for them to convert again, to take a meeting. Like, they just didn't treat them like gold. Whereas the people that used to be outbound and all of a sudden started getting hand raisers for the first time, they loved on those leads, right? Because they remember when it, when it was hard and you didn't get those things. And so they, they sent personalized videos to get the meeting scheduled. They reached out and had amazing discovery. Then they tailored the demo to that individual. And, and so what, so if we look at that trend of like at inbound can be done good and bad, right? Like sure. from a sales perspective, now what's coming, what's coming back in my opinion is you have inbound and outbound and they play together. And it's that total go-to-market motion where sales and marketing are working together to drive 
awareness together. So for example, outbound used to be picking up the phone and cold calling. Now it can be, I've got a list of 50 people that I've researched that I've gone in Zoom info, I know who my decision maker is. I've done an outbound ABM overlay play from marketing to help make sure that we're retargeting them as I'm in, like as I'm looking at them. We've got case studies, we've got all this stuff that's relevant to their industry and it's a it's a mutual like plan of attack and much more strategic than it ever was in the past. So again, it was like here or here and now I see it kind of coming together. It- and is that what it looks like at Smartbug Media? I, oh, 100%, right? Like you don't just do one or the other. Now at Smartbug, the way we serve our clients is it from our client's perspective, we're helping their marketing and total go-to-market strategy from a sales enablement standpoint, from a growth marketing standpoint, from branding, from paid to PR, like everything that that client needs. But if the client comes to us and says, hey, we're really having trouble converting our MQLs to SQLs, some of it will be deep dive into, do we have some SEO work we need to do to make sure we're targeting the right people that are looking for the right things. But ultimately it could be, what does your sales team look like and how do we enable them internally to make sure that we're doing the right things, saying the key words, looking for pain in the right areas, et cetera. Got it. So I'm, my, my brain is backlogging a couple of things here. One, you said sales and marketing working well together is a, a concept that I've heard before, but never actually seen <laughs> executed well. So congratulations. It sounds like you guys have figured out something that a lot of folks haven't done. And yeah, the, the second part is, you know, th- those are some of the calls I get sometimes as marketing folks will say, I'm killing it. got the cost per, you know, cost per lead way down. And now, you know, no, they're getting more leads, but nobody's closing anything. And I think it, it usually comes down to the common idea that, I mean, granted, if you're having the wrong people is inbound, then that's, you know, that's not going to work no matter how you chop it up. But a lot, so many times it's just people, salespeople are so excited to show them everything they have. And, you know, I, I'm sure for you and I, this, you know, this concept of doing discovery isn't novel, but I can tell you working with thousands of salespeople over the years, that is probably kind of the go-to play is to to do the demo first thing. Yeah, they're just missing out on so much, right? Like I going right into pitching your products, um, you're missing why is that product important to that person and tailoring the message. Like it is just, it's a huge, it's a huge miss, right? And I think in Sandler, like obviously you know this, but to the listeners that maybe don't know this, like it's all about connecting that pain to to your solution and you can't do that if you dive into demo you just can't you can't it's it's kind of like saying hey let me let, let me just show you all this stuff and raise your hand and stop me if you see something you like and oh so bad well so i've never worked in an organization that truly went all the way there so um when you did like what was your conversion was it just so low? Like were all of those demos, like how often did they actually convert into being a paying customer? Do you know? I, do, I don't know. I was just an individual contributor. But I, one thing I did know is every every Tuesday morning when we had our pipeline review, there was, you know, the, the named account that, you know, next month, next month, next month, next month. But more than that, there was, you know, eight, 85 trial accounts were open last week. And 
you know, maybe two of them had actually been logged into. And that's rough. It, it, it's rough. And it's like, it's, it's, to me, that's a scary thing. And it's expensive because number one, you're wasting a lot of time and resources having, you know, at the time there was a sales engineer that needed to, you know, spin the account up, which takes time. And for most of which, for those people who aren't ever going to buy anything, but then the, I think the worst part is there's a lot of real prospects in there that companies pay good money to get into a, a call who were never going to become a prospect because, you know, a, a decent discovery wasn't done. So, yeah. Yeah. So you said you've never seen sales and marketing work well together. Like you've never been a part of an organization where they truly work together. Not only have I not been a part of an organization where they didn't truly work well together, but I, I haven't personally experienced it myself in all the companies that I've worked with. And I think I'm, you know, I don't think I'm alone in saying that I've been on, you know, been a guest on some marketing podcasts where we talked about, you know, how does sales and marketing work together? And it, it's usually sales says marketing screwing something up. Marketing says sales is screwing something up. And the idea of like any collaborate, just when you said that it's it, the overlay part is you don't, you don't hear that very often. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I've heard it a lot. And, but I think what I've seen is the trend of like, if we go back to me saying like it was outbound, then it was inbound and now it's both. You can't do both if you don't have sales and marketing working together. And everything that I've, um, every, every, like I went to a CMO summit with Pavilion last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago now, who knows? Um, but every, every event I go to, it's all about total go-to-market for growth. And total go-to-market is product, it's marketing, it's sales, it's all of them coming together to drive growth for the organization. And so I don't think we have an option to not work together anymore, right? But it means like the CEOs or the CROs, like whoever they report up to or the COO, depending on the organization, they have to align those KPIs to make it possible. I agree. And so maybe thinking back on this a little bit, the the the, the niche or the term that I think of is revenue operations. Yeah. Because, and I know that's a pretty new term and I've seen it. I've been, I've been in companies where they're starting to implement that, but just kind of flywheel, like you mentioned, where everybody's firing together and, you know, maybe I just haven't been in the right place to see it. That's been my experience is that the, the two historically don't play well together. I get it. It's, it's a unified effort and the best companies are probably going to do it really well, but it's, I think it's still at this point, a pretty rare thing. Yeah, I mean, so I I guess that it's our job to change that, right? Like we've gotta we've gotta make efforts to because again, if we're doing outbound and it's cold and we don't have marketing support to help build that awareness or layer on like an account-based marketing effort on top of our outbound, then it's going to take longer to convert. And I don't know about you, but I want to slow down. <laughs> my time to close, not increase it. And so like if marketing's working on things over here that don't translate to revenue over here, then nothing's ever going to change. Yes. Well, and I think you're right. That is probably the ultimate, I, I don't know, the ultimate goal of the chief revenue officer is to kind of unify those, those two together. And again, this is just my personal experience. Yeah. 
traditionally, at least in the places I've been, the chief revenue officer was kind of like a VP of sales on steroids. You're right. Yep. Yeah. Where they were a sales, you know, sales background and the VP of marketing maybe reported to them, but they still had a, I don't know if I call it a bias, but they had more knowledge and experience in, in sales. And I think I'm just starting to see the, I don't know, call them the modern CRO, modern chief revenue officer who understands sales and marketing and can unify those two departments together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's definitely a new concept, but the people that are up on the trend are really having much more success, especially when we enter these really strange um, economic environments, like things start to get a little wacky. And so those unified teams are the ones that win, right? If all of a sudden your pipeline's slowing and you don't have a strategy to change it, or your deal size is lowering um, because people have, you know, budgetary restrictions, like the teams that are keeping things whole are truly come together. So, but you're right. Like I even think back to my Staples time, which is a long time ago now. So I started my sales career at Staples um, contract division and their B2B division where you were going into a business and you were selling them like a special customized like business program and um, for like office supplies and janitorial supplies and print and promo, all of those things, right? So we'd go in and sell them. I didn't have a marketing contact. Like I didn't get inbound leads. We had a, we had, would occasionally get permission to like submit a um, form to get like a custom one pager done for us. Yeah. <laughs> like that was my involvement with marketing back then. So it's evolved. It's just, it's evolving faster and faster to this new, new concept of true revenue team. And you're right from a revenue operation standpoint, it's, it's scaled um, tremendously and it's become a need because of the teams working together. There's no need for revenue operations if marketing product and sales are in their little silos. But the minute they come together, you need someone making sure that their processes are streamlined cross-departmentally. And that's what they've really helped achieve. That role has helped that achieve that. Okay. And so how would... In, and this is maybe just personal curiosity. How does an individual contributor on a, a sales team effectively interact with marketing? Oh, I love that question. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so one of the things that um, we're doing right now on our sales team is we've have in outbound reps for the first time. Um, we're talking about them getting really think about like yourself doing a focus. Um, almost like a focus five or a focus 10, whereas you're going to go find an industry you really want to work on because you've seen like clients like that of yours before, say similar size, industry, decision maker, your own mini ICP within like a gross ICP. So you're going to put together a target list. And instead of doing it yourself and going after these clients, you could reach out to marketing and say, hey, marketing, I've seen that we win healthcare when it's 80 employees or less, when there's standalone locations and the decision maker is a director of marketing. I've pulled together this list. If I start to put together a sequence, A, will you take a look at it to make sure that my email matches brand? Can you help me find any case studies or collateral that maybe we've used in the past that you think could layer on here? And do we have any budget to do an A an ABM strategy that overlays with this specific 
deal, maybe even a landing page. Do you think that that's something we could do? Because if we win this, I think we could generate blank amount and pipeline. So you see what I just did there. I did what's in it for them. You're doing some of the work. You're bringing the strategy. They're supporting. And then as you start to get some traction, they're tracking because they can put a little you know dashboard together on like, how's our healthcare campaign going? You're giving kudos. They're giving kudos back and you're supporting and celebrating the successes. Oh my gosh. I'm I'm just imagining a utopia right now where people are walking <laughs> around like barefoot drinking kombucha. That just sounds entirely too good to be true, but it, it sounds like not only have you guys figured out you're doing it and some other companies are doing it effectively as well. Even even okay, let's say you don't have budget or all of that beautiful time, even sitting with someone on the marketing team and saying, "Here are all the deals that I lost." So vulnerability moment, right? But here are all the deals I lost last month, last quarter. Can you help me understand, like, are there likenesses here? Is it the same industry or same company size or same pain points? And, and if it's the same pain point, for example, then you could say, hey, can you help us come up with a better solution statement? Right? Can we brainstorm on how we overcome this or how do we overcome this objection? Or how do we build a case study for this specific industry? Because we're obviously not talking to them in the right tone. Like that alone could start breaking down those barriers and open up some perspective. Uh, well, I love that. I Have you witnessed a salesperson saying, here are the deals I lost last month in, in real life? Yeah. I mean, look, you have to make it something that's comfortable. And you have to have a leader that's willing to like set the stage of, hey, when we lose deals, it's no one's fault. We need to understand why we lose so we can get better. If you have a sales leader that's saying like, you lost those deals because you suck and you don't know how to close, right? Or you lost those deals because your win rate's not good and you don't know how to overcome objections or ask for the sale. Well, then of course they're not going to display their losses, right? In front of everybody to pick apart. But if you make it about like, shoot guys, it doesn't look like as a team, we're able to convert this industry or this company size or this whatever and look for trends, then it becomes like a brainstorming session that everyone can get behind. And I just don't think, People are so guarded, and but it's the leader's fault. If if everyone's guarded, it's the leader's fault. Okay, I I I get that. I love that, and I think <laughs> I think we uncovered something that we hadn't necessarily articulated specifically before. That it's not just the the idea that sales and marketing have to work together. There's got to be some vulnerability. There's got to be some leader saying, "Hey, look, let's." not beat us, beat each other ourselves up for what we've done, but let's take some time, learn what we did wrong or what we could do better and figure out how to implement that. Yeah, you're but you could also flip it. So Michael, you could say, why did we win? Let's look at all the wins. Like, what do they have in common? So doing both to kind of balance the scales a little bit, but you're, you're right. I mean, it's, it's creating the space in which you're one team and everyone has the same goals. Because if you do, then you're willing to help each other out to get each other better. Yeah, I and I think that's really important because that may be the missing component that it, that is causing the the competition or the discontent between sales and marketing is that neither side's willing to open up and say, "Hey, here, let's let's look from from start to finish and figure out where it really broke down." And I think. 
allowing that those failures and vulnerabilities would would be amazing. I think the other part you said is why do we win? I don't think companies often at times know why they actually won the deal. And I remember getting to lots of companies and saying, hey, why do we win? And nobody could give me an answer. And that makes a, a, the ramp time for any rep crazy long because you're there, me, them, whoever it is, is trying to figure out what do we do well? How do we win? Yeah. Why do we win? And uh, that's a tough one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, well, that's good. I'm, I'm. It took us a few minutes to get to that, but I think like most things in sales and business, it's a mindset change, not just a, a technique change to to facilitate one of those kinds of conversations. Yeah, I mean, if if the so we're talking about we kind of switched our topic, but I think it's good because it's very relevant right now, right? Where it's it's are you outbound? Are you inbound? Inbound. Now that the trend is both, how do you do it effectively? And we talked about like KPIs, right? And aligned KPIs. If you have a KPI on marketing that you need to um, drive 80% of the pipeline, but nothing matters after that, and you're not responsible for the conversion or or like why you win, um, and you're just driving back to our point of like healthcare companies that we never convert on the sales side and you don't sit and discuss it, then what's the point? So aligning KPIs and then being open and, and solving problems together are really the big, the big takeaways, I think. Okay. I love that. And I think that's something that would fit really nicely into a sales playbook. Yeah. Because we, we were just doing that with some managers the other day, building that playbook. And I think having things like why specific case studies of why we won, why we lost, what the challenge was, is something that would definitely help new hires understand and ramp up quicker. Totally. I agree with you. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Stephanie, is there anything I shouldn't, I didn't ask that I should have? Oh, um, no, I don't think so. I mean, look, if we're, if we're truly talking about like, how do we continue to evolve in the future of sales? Where did we come from? Where did it go? And now where are we today? And how do we work better to drive growth within an organization um, and KPI alignment, leadership? I mean, I think the only other thing, especially right now, is being super flexible. You know, a lot of times people get that playbook and they get it set up and they're like, this is an ink, right? I think it's important right now for a playbook to be in pencil. Um, and, and what I mean by that is you never know what is around the corner. I don't think any of us thought that we were going to get the update that came in that Silicon Valley bank was, was going under and things were exploding. Right. And that impacted so many things after we need to be able to look at that playbook, get our eraser out, erase and adjust based on what the economy is telling us. And we need to be able to do it quickly and you can't do it in a silo. You have to do it with your team. So product has to look, you know, your marketing team needs to look at how to address any changes and sales needs to be able to address those changes too. So your solution statements, your objections, your ICP, like everything has to be looked at all the time. It's never a set it and forget it motion. So I'll end with that. Wow. <laughs> well, so you know what, here's my takeaway from the very end is that I do a lot of playbook creation with clients and teams and not once ever have I thought to bring product and marketing into building that playbook. So Thank you. That's my yeah. aha moment for this afternoon and for this, this recording. Love it. 
Awesome. Well, again, Stephanie, thank you for being on. I was really excited about this and it was not a disappointment. How anything you want to promote yourself, your company, how can people get a hold of you? Who should reach out? When should they reach out? The the floor is yours. Yeah, yeah. For, I'll do a quick smart bug plug. So anyone that is using HubSpot or Klaviyo or is interested in using one of those platforms um, or is using those platforms and needs support, reach out. That's what we do. We're number one in both ecosystems. We are fabulous at helping drive a lot of the alignment that I talked about today. I would love to connect with all of you. So if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, I am a content creator. I'm always very active. It's Valenti S is my actual link, but you can look up Stephanie Valenti and you'll find me there. Outside of that, I am a big fan of Sandler. So I follow on their LinkedIn channel and am a huge supporter of that methodology. So if you ever have questions, you can reach out to me for that too. Awesome. Well, again, thank you for being on today. I had a lot of fun. I hope you had half as much fun as I did. And I hope the folks out listening to this when they release is enjoyed as well. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for listening. I hope you got as much out of this as I did. To find out more about how we work with companies to help them grow sales more profitably and predictably, please check out gordon.sandler.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.